Hey, Thrive Church, good to see you virtually speaking anyway. I never would have thought that we would be spending Holy Week like this on our computers, um, but I'm glad you're here, and I'm, I'm glad that uh, we can at least do this. This is, um, this is certainly better than nothing. Uh, I got a couple of announcements about Holy Week coming up and the calendar um, before I get rolling here. So first and foremost, on Wednesday night, we have been doing uh, kind of a worship set with Pastor Dan. That is not happening this week. We're going to do something a little bit different. Let me explain that in a second. So Wednesday, no worship night. Thursday, uh, we'll continue to do our virtual life group with Pastor James, although this week he's going to be doing something related to Monday, Thursday. So you're going to want to make some time for that if you can. 7 p.m. on both uh, Facebook Live, on the Thrive Church uh, Facebook page, or on the website, www.thrivetulsa.com. You can certainly see it there as well. So keep that one in mind. So instead of a Wednesday night worship night, we're going to do Good Friday service. We're going to do kind of a sort of unplugged version of worship, and I'm going to do a little talk talking about that particular day, and uh, we'll get together for that again, 7 p.m. on Friday. So 7 p.m. on Thursday, 7 p.m. on Friday, uh, for Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, respectively. And of course, next week, 10 a.m., Resurrection Sunday. This is kind of like the church Super Bowl. Be there. It'll be exciting. And if you can invite some other people, watch party or something along those lines, that would be great. Uh, we want to try to worship as much as we possibly can, digitally speaking, and hope that you're able to make some time for that. So it'll be fun. Today, however, is Palm Sunday. And this is the day that we commemorate when Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem just prior to his arrest, his conviction, his execution, and of course, his resurrection. And so what I want to do today is I want to read through um, that particular passage, and then we're going to come back, pull it apart, and I'm going to point some things out as we, as we go along. So that's the idea um, for the next couple of minutes. So if you have um, a Bible with you, please turn with me to Mark chapter 11, the Gospel of Mark chapter 11, second book of the New Testament. Um, a lot of uh, people who have you know, been part of Thrive Church have uh, heard me talk about this. I like the Gospel of Mark, um, not because it's short, uh, but rather <clears throat> it's the earliest of all the Gospels written. And so it's really kind of in this raw format. And it's very likely Peter's recollection of of the story of Jesus, the biography of Jesus, because Mark, the author, was an associate of Peter's, and um, there are some details that we find in this gospel that we don't necessarily see in some of the others. And so uh, I want to start reading at Mark chapter 11. Hopefully you found it or you've been able to plug it in to uh, one of your devices, and you can read along with me. I'm using the NIV version just for simplicity. So here we are, Mark chapter 11, beginning with verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? Tell him, The Lord needs it, and will send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them, 
<clears throat> and the people let them go. When they bro- brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David, Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. This is the word of the Lord, and we believe it. Now, this is a familiar passage, um, especially if you um, grew up in the church. You've probably heard this one every 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 year about this time. You've probably read through it at some point. There's four features in this story that I want to talk about. And the first one uh, is that, that this particular section um, is prophetic. So let's take a look at this. As they approached Jerusalem, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said, you're going to find a colt in this particular spot. And uh, I want you to bring it to me. And if you, if you do that, there's a good chance somebody's going to ask you, why are you doing this? Of course, you know, I would. If somebody were trying to take your vehicle or your car, you would say, hey, what are you doing? And so the interesting thing here is that the disciples go and they do that and find it just as Jesus had said, that there's going to be this, this cult there. And here's what they did and everything worked out the way it was supposed to. It's an interesting little story. Now, other people had called Jesus a prophet, especially in the book of Mark. You you see this in a couple of of different instances. And even Jesus refers to himself as a prophet. And and why not, really? Um, Yes, he's the Messiah, but that's not necessarily a category that people would be thinking about normally. Prophet would be. And so this is a, a category, this is a term, this is an idea that people would understand. And here we have this um, moment where Jesus actually demonstrates in very simple terms his prophetic gift. Now, he's done this kind of thing before, but here we have very clear, you're going to go here, you're going to find this, this is what's going to happen. And that's exactly what occurred. It kind of sets the tone for all of this as well. Jesus is still moving, not just as a Messiah, but in this particular case as a prophet. In fact, there's a a whole idea here in the gospel of Mark called the Messianic secret where Jesus tries to keep it under wraps that he is the Messiah until the last possible moment. It's an interesting thought. And instead of calling or being Messiah or referring to himself as that, he refers to himself as a prophet just because it makes sense for that particular time and place. So keep that in mind as as we're going along through this. Now, The very next set of verses is quite interesting because not only is this a prophetic type of uh, story, it's also a royal story. And I want to explain this. When they brought the cult to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. This is where we get the idea of palms. So what's happening here? This is, this is an interesting um, uh, set of verses here because um, there's a couple of things. B- by the way, we need to make mention of the word cult. And here it refers very specifically to a young donkey. A young donkey. Um, not necessarily a young horse. 
but a colt, as uh, in this case, a young donkey. And historically speaking, Saul, David, and Solomon, the three great kings of Israel, those three had donkeys associated with their coronation in some way, shape, or form. Isn't it interesting? So here we have this similar picture where you have the coming of a king riding in on a young donkey. Um, if you get a chance, you may want to look at 1 Kings chapter 1 when, when David declares uh, that Solomon is his heir. He sets Solomon on his own young donkey so that people would understand just exactly what was happening here. The imagery, frankly, is unmistakable, especially if you're a Jew. However, there's something else in, at play here that I think is fascinating. It seems as if the people believed that Jesus was ready to come into the city, kick the Romans out, and send them packing. And unfortunately, they should have known better. You see, he came in on a colt or a young donkey. Normally speaking, when a king came to a city uh, to uh, do some business, so to speak, it would be on a horse. In fact, if Jesus came on a horse at this point, uh, it would have communicated very clearly that he was fixing to cut some fence and sort some things out, if you take my meaning. You see, horses were a symbol of war, and that's exactly what we find Jesus writing in the book of Revelation. But here in Mark, we find him riding on a donkey, which is a symbol of peace. So when a king rides to a city in peace, he all, always rides on a donkey, specifically a, a young one. And so it seems to me that you've got <clears throat> a group of people in Jerusalem who might be missing this symbolism just a little bit. And at the same time, the same uh, scene of cloaks on a donkey and cloaks on, on the uh, on the road in front of Jesus and palm branches and all of that, there's, there's something else that's happening here. It's also the fulfillment of another prophecy. 500 years prior to this moment in time, a, a specific prophet by the name of Zechariah declared this, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Isn't this interesting? Isn't that exactly what we're seeing occur here? And, and even this is a message of peace because there's no war horses, there's no chariots, there's no battle bow. All of those things are gone. And here we have Jesus riding in on a colt. It's the simple message of peace that's going on here. Now, finally, in this overall scene, those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Now, they're using a fascinating word here. They're using the word Hosanna. Now, 
This deserves a little bit of uh, exploration and explanation, actually. It's rooted in Hebrew, um, but the word has uh, kind of underwent an, an evolution of sorts over a, or over a period of time, at least in this, in this part of the world. Specifically from this story, <clears throat> um, uh, hearing this word Hosanna, <clears throat> and I liked the word, um, and I always thought it was kind of a, an idea of praise, Hosanna being one of, of praise, which it, it is to a certain degree. Um, but I always wonder why people uh, chose the word hallelujah rather than Hosanna. Uh, because, well, frankly, Hosanna is just easier to spell, right? <laughs> So we have these two words that were kind of shouted in praise. Hallelujah, Hosanna. Well, Hosanna in Hebrew actually means please save. Please save. It's kind of two words mashed up together. Please save. Hosanna, Hosanna. So the word is used specifically in Psalm 118. I want you to see this. Lord, save us, that's Hosanna. Lord, grant us success. Hosanna, Lord, grant us success. That's verse 25. Psalm 118, verse 25. Very simple, this idea of Hosanna as being shouted. But it seems as if the answer to this particular request is given almost immediately because in the very next line, like the psalmist says it, and the answer is there almost immediately because look at verse 26. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine in us. With bows in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. Sounds a little familiar, doesn't it? There we have this psalmist who uses the word Hosanna and then blessed is he. And so over a period of time, what's happened is this idea of please save and this kind of praise for God answering the prayer gets mashed together. And so Hosanna quite um, uh, quite literally means in this particular case, or it's in its usage, I should, should say, is to mean, hooray, salvation is here. So it's not only please save, but it's salvation is here. Do you see how those things kind of begin to come together and over a period of time, people began to use it to mean something different than simply praise. So there's this idea of save us, save us, hooray, salvation is here. This is what's happening in this particular procession. Now, I'm wondering that maybe Hosanna is an appropriate word for us today. I mean, legitimately. Hosanna is one of those words that we need to not only remember, we need to embrace it, I think. It's appropriate. We have COVID-19, you know that. Everything on my news feed is something about COVID-19. And if it's not that, then it's about all of the economic trouble that's beginning to boil and boil over. And some of you, unfortunately, know this all too well. 
And of course, then you've got the stress of staying home. You can't just get out and do things. And family relationships and things are, are beginning to rub against each other and uh, chafe a little bit. And there's friction within the family. I mean, it's, it's very real. And you're likely to have some other pressure points too, not just these, because each one of us has different lives. There are different things where we feel those moments of stress. And so it's really easy for us to cry, Lord, save us, save me, Lord, save me from all of this, whatever it is that you're going through. But, but here's the thing, here's the thing I want you to remember, the thing that I want you to grasp about the word Hosanna is that we are a people of hope. That's who we are as Christians, as people who follow Jesus, who are attempting to be disciples, as people who are listening and responding to what God is saying to us. We are a people of hope. And and the truth of the matter is, in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we do have salvation. We know this. And not just in the spiritual sense, but in a very real sense. We have that salvation. And God is still in the business of protecting and saving and healing and all of those things that we feel that we need right now. All of those things. Hosanna. Save us. Hooray. Salvation is here. Salvation is here. That's what what we believe. So we're not just saying save us, please. We're saying salvation is here because we are a people of hope. Now, here's the thing. We still have you. We still have things that we have to do ourselves. You still need to wash your hands. You still need to stay at home. And if you don't stay at home, you, you still need to wear a mask or something to help protect yourself. You have to do your part and then trust God to do his part. And that's... <laughs> That's what it means to live with hope. We're going to do our thing and trust God to do his. We're not without hope. We have that because of what we're going to celebrate next week, which is an empty tomb and the resurrection of of Jesus. But today, the thing that I want you to, to keep in mind, the thing that I want you to take with you into this holy week is Hosanna. Hooray, salvation is here and we need it. And the people around you need you to be a, a person of hope. Whether you do that in, uh, online or whether it's in a conversation with someone over the phone or at six feet distance, whatever. And the point is that the world desperately needs people of hope. And that's what you are. Remember, Jesus said at one point, you are salt, you are light. Yes, you're, you're a person of hope. And so grasp onto this idea of Hosanna. And even if it, feels a little funny in your prayers, just say, Hosanna. You can say hallelujah, that's fine. But try Hosanna out. Understand that it means hooray, salvation is here. Let's pray. God, Hosanna. As a person of hope, I say Hosanna. And every person that's uh, watching this, every person who's um, experiencing all the pressure points, of life right now needs Hosanna. Salvation is here. And Lord, I don't know where everyone's at, but I can imagine that there are people 
who right now are just experiencing uh, fear, maybe some depression, maybe they're at odds with the people in their own home. Um, any number of things can be going on. And I pray, Lord, that you would bring them exactly what they need right now. God, that you would bring them healing, that you would bring them the hope, that you would bring them the empowerment, that you would bring them the endurance, all of those things that they need to make it through. And Lord, we're looking forward to Resurrection Sunday because that was the moment that everything changed for all of us. So God, would you please be in each person's home and in each person's relationships with others. And I ask you, God, Hosanna, Hosanna. Pray this all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.